Okay, so we're going live in three, two, one, go. Welcome back to another episode of Documented. Today, we're super excited to have Tanya Brunson here. In the spirit of Valentine's Day, we were looking for a love story that we admired. If you listen to Don't Sell the Farm podcast, you might know David and Aaron. So this is actually Aaron's wife. This is a great love story and how God can redeem marriages and lots of other things. So without further ado, I'm not going to spoil any. Here's Tanya. Thank you for having me. So I grew up in uh, California. I can say I had loving parents. I grew up in a good home. It was just me and my brother. We moved to Prescott when um, one of my dad's brothers, her daughter, got shot by a, a gangbanger. Oh, dang. And my parents didn't want that to happen to me and my brother. So my uncle moved here first. And then I think it was just like a weekend. My parents came to visit Prescott. And off the bat, they loved it. They went back home and they sold the house. We moved to Prescott, I think like two months later, very fast. They loved it because they didn't want the same thing that happened to my cousin to happen to me and my brother. We were raised Catholic. I never heard the gospel. I never heard what being safe was. It was just more of, oh, okay, don't lie, don't steal, um, respect your parents, love your parents. Mostly it wasn't, if you don't repent, your sins are gonna send you to hell. You know, I never heard any of that. So um, in high school and government class, a classmate, I guess she witnessed to me. Call her out. <laughs> uh, yeah, her name is Cynthia uh, Nelson. Now she used to be Cynthia Scudero. She went to the Potter's House Church near Prescott and she uh, randomly just witnessed to me and she asked me if I went to church, if I um, was saved. And when she asked me, I was very confused. I didn't know. I was like, what do you mean saved? Like, yeah, I go to church once in a while. But it was nothing, you know, when we would go to church, my brother and I, we would just be like, hey, what are we going to have to lunch afterwards? You know, we would go and leave the same way we went. So she, you know, started talking to me, witnessing and she invited me to church and I was, you know, what? okay. I was open to it. I was like, yeah, sure. She's super sweet. I'm just going to go and see and check it out. So I started going and at the beginning it was a little weird because I'm used to the crosses and the father and the whole, the whole Catholic thing and everything's, you know, quiet and dark. And so when I went to Potter's house here, it was different. I guess the first thing I noticed was everyone was so happy. You know, I, everyone, I, I can see the joy in everyone's faces and everyone was talking and smiling and laughing and very welcoming. And in the Catholic church, you can't talk. If you talk, it's it's bad. I remember we would laugh, my brother and I, if a little boy in front of us was like making funny faces and my parents would be like, shh, stop talking. So I liked it. I When I first went, I liked it. It's funny, she would text me like the next weekend uh, she'd be like, oh do you want to go to church again and I'd be like uh, I don't know and she'd be like she would say I'll buy you McDonald's if you go and I'd be like okay salt so it does work when they say uh we'll feed you so you could <laughs> food is the key to revival yes it does work so I'd be like okay since we're gonna go to get McDonald's then I I'll go so she just started you know she continue to follow up on me she would pick me up we would go to um the 180 what's the 180 oh it's a, a music concert music 
live band. So she would pick me up, take me, would go to dinner. We became really good friends. It's crazy how one person, by just witnessing, you know, and witnessing to that person and telling them about God and can completely change the direction of their life. If it wasn't for Cynthia, now that she's she's my best friend now, if it wasn't for her witnessing to me, my life would have been probably completely different. Mm-hmm. I probably would have never met Aaron, you know, or never got saved, never heard the gospel. And it's just crazy help. Mm-hmm. It does work. Fun fact, if you go back to the episode where we're doing my testimony, it's called Just Think About It. That's the same Cynthia we're talking about. So I can relate. Definitely my life would not be where I'm at today without her. Yes. So isn't that crazy? So at what point did you get saved? I remember I had a really bad pain in my uh, stomach. I had a pelvic pain, I guess. Like it felt like cramps, like Mm -hmm. menstrual cramps. My mom would take me to the doctor uh, multiple times to see what was causing um, the cramps. And every doctor would say, I don't know, we don't know, She, it might be just a hormonal or um, period related, but the pain would never go away, it was always coming back. Oh, wow. And I remember um, Pastor Mitchell, he was preaching about healing and that God can heal you, and I remember I went up to the altar that night, um, it was a Sunday night, I went up and I basically told God, you know, if you're real and everything that this church and these pastors are saying... It's true, and the whole Catholic, the background I had growing up as a lie, and if this is the truth, reveal it to me, and uh, they say, you know, healing is real, and I basically told God, um, heal me, and so you can show me, and I remember I went up, and that night I did have a lot of pain, and Pastor Mitchell laid hands on me, and he prayed, and literally in a second, the the pain completely went, like it was gone, yes, completely gone and I just broke down I started crying and you know everything that they were preaching was real it was I guess it was an eye-opening and I got saved that night and continued to go and serve God and pain never came back never till this day I haven't had pain it's crazy yeah and so after that I uh turned 16 and I started working at Rice the grocery store and that's where uh I met Aaron a little background. So Aaron is kind of a, it would be a third or fourth generation, right? So his grandparents are pillars. Everybody knows Bill and Betty Bronson. Betty's the one that ran the nursery and church for years. She's the one that brings you all the good food when you have babies. And so Aaron is kind of like, he was just the church kid. His parents are saved. His grandparents are saved. But as I recall in high school, he was messing around a little bit. But he's so personable. He's a personable person. He talks to everybody. And a good guy, I think. Mm-hmm. Even though he wasn't saved, he was a good guy. Yes. Because he had he had that ingrained in him. So here Aaron is. Was he working at Fry's? <coughs> yeah, he just got hired at Fry's. I think a okay. couple months after I So did. we have this brand new Christian. And then we have this church kid boy that has not given his life to Jesus and they intersect. So my question was though, did you know him before he started working at Fry's? Did you even know that he went to church? No, actually I didn't. I, um, that was the first time I saw him ever was at Fry's when he got hired. And it's crazy because we graduate the same year, but I never saw him in high school. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never. So 
I didn't know who he was. I never saw him at church. And I remember one time I was closing and Cynthia came to pick me up because we were going to go sledding. And she saw that Aaron was working there. And she's like, oh my gosh, I know him. And I was like, you do? I was like, how do you know him? And she's like, oh, he comes to the church and, you know, we I've known him forever. And I was like, oh, really? Huh? So she's like, oh, let me introduce you to him. And I was like, all right, you know. So uh, she was the one that introduced us to each other. And actually that night he came sledding with us and we just started talking and pretty fast we started liking each other. I just want to say too yes. is if anybody knows Cynthia, Cynthia's totally like that. Is like she'll meet you, she'll see you the next day, the next second you're hanging out. Yes, she's amazing. <laughs> right? It's yes. like, hey, I know you. We kind of <laughs> maybe met once. Come sledding with us. Yes. So I could totally see that happening very yes. easily. Yes. Yeah. So we started uh, talking. Um, we actually went to prom together went to prom and then after uh, we graduated high school that's when we I backslid started dating um you know doing stuff we were supposed to a little after that he joined the marine corps you have this encounter with god like mm-hmm. supernaturally mm-hmm. you basically say i, I want to believe what you're mm-hmm. saying is true heal me cuz i want to mm-hmm. know right mm-hmm. and so he do- god does and then of course you meet aaron and you guys like that chemistry is there and all that Was there a point in time where you said, I'm going to choose him over God or over what God wants me to do? I think it started slowly because Mm -hmm. when we first started talking and I guess dating, I, I still wanted to serve God because I did see what he did and how real it was to me and the joy he was giving me. But I guess I fell. He was the first boy I uh, loved, really dated, really loved. Did you think that Aaron was saved too, maybe because he was a church kid? No. No, was, you knew no, he no, he was not saved. Yeah, he, but did you know that, like, being a new convert, did you, like, draw that parallel? In like, a way, yeah, okay. I did, yeah. I asked them if he, you know, if he was saved, and he's like, well, you know, I go to church, and my, the whole family thing, my parents go to church, I was raised in the church, but it wasn't, since his actions, too, while we were dating, kind of showed it that slowly started, you know, fading away from God and <clears throat> having that relationship mm-hmm. with God. He joined the Marine Corps right after high school, and he was uh, gone for boot camp for three months. And um, I stayed here. I waited for him, and then um, he graduated boot camp. We got married right away. We moved to Oceanside, California, where he was stationed at Camp Pendleton. We lived there for, I think, two years, and then he got deployed for 13 months, I believe, and then I came back home. Where was he deployed? Uh, All over the place, Afghanistan, Dubai, Kuwait. So he was uh, there for a couple uh, months and I came back. I lived with my parents. I started going back to church with Cynthia again, um, got committed again um, because since he was gone, um, my focus was strictly just God now and going to church a lot. I was able to build that relationship again with God. And so I did that and then he came back. From deployment, we moved back to Oceanside. That's when things started going uh, downhill. He started uh, drinking a lot, smoking. Um, we would hang out with his buddies from the Marine Corps every Friday night, Saturday night. We would uh, go to their houses and have, like I guess, little kickbacks. And I would hang out with the wives. And he would, like every military guy does, they would drink and uh, smoke. I never really liked to drink, so I was just 
hang out and um, be the driver, I guess, after he was completely blacked out. <laughs> I would just hang out with him and then slowly it started getting to the point where um, he wouldn't come home. He would leave Friday night. I would be working at the time and he would find a way to leave before I got off work. So he would grab his staff and then um, leave for the weekend without saying anything to me. So that started happening a lot. Did he tell you where he was? No, he wouldn't so tell he me. he would just dip mm-hmm. out. And what are you thinking? Like, what's going to Yes, I was, you know, we had our problems. You know, we would argue about drinking too much. We would argue about money. We would argue about, we were very young when we got married too. And so he would, he would just pack his stuff and uh, he would just leave for the weekend. I would try calling him and texting him and he would just sometimes he would answer me and he would be like oh I'm hanging out with uh some buddies um they're having a a party or a, a get together because one of them is going to deploy or it, they were little lies you know and I'd be like okay you know what time are you coming home and he'd be like, oh 10 o'clock the latest and 10 o'clock hit and then I would try calling calling and that's when the, he would shut his phone off and then he would just hang out with his buddies till the next day and then the next morning, I would just continue to text call, nothing until finally Sunday night when he would have to be back at work. Monday morning, he would come home and don't ask me questions. I was just hanging out. I wasn't doing anything. And he took it as nagging in a way when I was crying, screaming, what the heck? You know, why are you doing this to me? And he would just be like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just having fun, this and that. Why are you got to be the way you are? So problems started building up like that. Then, As you can imagine. Yes. So he was taking that as nagging. And I was taking that as, I'm like, why are you doing this to your wife? But he uh, started doing that quite often. So this is happening on the weekends. The weekday. What would what would the weekdays look like as like a, a day in the life, if you will? Yeah. What would be a normal day for you guys? It was good. It was. It's kind of funny because the weekends would be awful and fighting, crying. But then the weekdays would be fine. Like if nothing happened, he would go to work, come back, you know, hang out, have dinner, you know, go, go out. I guess it was like, I'm sorry, pretty much. He would say, I'm sorry for doing this, this. And I would be like, okay, he said, sorry, it's fine. You know, he really means it. He won't do it again. And then the next weekend or, you know, a couple weekends would pass and then he would do it again. And it was a circle. It would go on and on like that. So he left for a field op, which is um, going to the field or training, I guess, for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was gone for three weeks and he, uh, we were fine you know, the same problems we had, but it was nothing. He came back and out of the blue, he is like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, sure. Nothing of it. You know, I was like, oh, you know, something about whatever. And he was like, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving you. And I was like, wait, what? What's that? Really confused. I was angry. I was hurt. I was just, I didn't know what was happening. I thought it was another girl, you know, because how can you, It's just so, so crazy. And he came home, grabbed whatever he could grab really fast and told me that and left. He didn't even give you a chance to process or talk it out. He was just like, I'm out. Yes. What does he say now? What was going through his head at that time? He said, I think growing up in a small town for him, growing up in a small town, uh, sheltered, 
never saw alcohol around, you know, grew up in a good home, a Christian home with loving parents and getting sent out to the city, you know, parties, you know, you have the other Marines higher up telling you, influencing you, um, it's okay to do this to your wife. It's, uh, it's okay to, you know, go out. Um, she won't know. It's fine. She's crazy and very easy to sheltered boy, I guess, because he joined very young, um, get influenced by people he looks up to. And mm-hmm. he, I guess, fell for it. At that point, that that point in Aaron's life, it would be easy to fall for that because he's never surrendered to God. No. He's never thought, like, how can I make myself a better man for no. my wife? No. He's just living, like, by the flesh, taking in whatever he can. He was. So he <laughs> he says it, too, and he, he would tell me that. Just hearing other husbands talk about their wives, how crappy their wives were, how good and how much fun they're having with their girlfriends on the weekend. So he, when you listen to something so much and you're not around good men, good men that are good to their wives, you kind of start falling for that. And he would see like all the problems we had in our marriage. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, that's me. So, you know, I'm just going to, leave her and you know start a new life I guess or party hang out with friends because my life sucks so much right now with my wife so he um I guess fell for that so he packed his stuff he left without saying anything he was gone for a couple months and um so during this time he leaves and I'm even thinking just the practical side of it of course you're hurt angry and stuff but where are you living? Are you on base at this point? Yes, we were living um on base. And so I was living there. And he I think he went to the barracks um, where the single guys live. I think he was living there for a little bit. And then he moved off base with a buddy from um, he used to play baseball for a little bit. So I think he was living with him for a little bit. And then um, I stayed on, ba- on base. There was a potter's house in Oceanside. I decided to go. You know, I was like, I'm going to go. You know, I have nothing to lose. My husband's gone. I am I have no money. You know, he took everything. He pretty much um, emptied the bank and he left me with nothing. <laughs> so I did have the car. So I drove to church one morning and I went there and they were having a revival. They were having a guest pastor. So I sat through the service and God spoke to me the entire time. I remember at the end... He pointed me out. He looked at me. He said, sister, don't worry. Your husband's going to come home. No. Yes. And and let me remind you, nobody knows Aaron in the Oceanside Church. Yes. No. He said that. Yes. He pointed me out and he just, those words, that's it. He said, your husband's going to come home. Don't worry. And I started bawling because I knew the truth. I was safe before, you know, I knew. So that gave me peace. That gave me a, a hope. I went, I listened to that, and one of the ladies from the church, um, she came up to me, you know, started talking to me, and she took me out to lunch. She was also a military uh, wife, so she can kind of relate because her testimony was similar to mine. So she took me out to lunch. We talked. We became really good friends. I ended up having no money, like I said. I didn't have money for gas. I couldn't drive my car. So she would drive on base, pick me up every service during the week. She would pick me up, take me to her house, feed me because I didn't have money to buy food 
And then I became friends with some of the other girls too. And every night, every day, they would uh, come over and talk to me, encourage me, um, take me out to lunch, dinner. It's crazy to think that I would worry when the next day or that night, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to eat? I don't have money to buy anything, but God always provided. He always, there was a way that I always got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was just crazy. I was able to go to church. I was, I would leave little notes and a little piece of paper on the table telling Aaron like, hey, I'm, I went to church tonight. I'm going to be home around 930. So just in case if he came home and he wouldn't think that I was out and about doing bad stuff. So I would always leave him a little note and, but he would plan it because he knew that when I would go to church, he would come home. And so we wouldn't like, you wouldn't face, have to face yes. you. So yeah. he would come home, get some clothes or some of his gear or whatever, and then leave again for a couple weeks or whatever. So that started, it was happening for a while like that. He does come home. He does come home. Yes. And he gets saved. Yes. Comes saved. to church. Yes. We, after that, we started going to church a little bit. Together. Uh, together, yeah. And then he got really involved for two years. Did that... he change at all? He did, yeah. yeah. He became nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he became nice. I guess we didn't fight that much. Mm-hmm. He did stop going out completely. He did. He did stop. He would drink and smoke once in a while, but it was nothing like how it was. He, I did see a, a change in him. After that, that's when he went to the field and then... Okay. came back and surfed the papers and so you're going to church for a little bit by yourself you get saved and at that point he's not at home no he's not and then that's when the evangelist tells you yes he starts getting involved you're probably thinking man this is it that's why it was so out of the blue when he came back from the field and served me the papers because we were doing good we were going to church we he was an usher in the church i thought we had everything good we were you know you're- so it was a Wednesday night. I went to church and I remember uh, this old man randomly. He uh, <laughs> he uh, came up to me and just gave me papers, like a folder full of papers. And he pretty much said, you've been served and just left at, right church. at church, right outside of church. And I was very confused. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, who the heck is this guy? What are these papers? So I... Went straight to church. I uh, showed my pastor's wife these papers and we opened them together. And she's like, oh, Tanya, I'm so sorry. These are uh, divorce papers. And obviously at that moment I broke down. I, yeah, I broke down. I was confused. I couldn't believe it. Even though Aaron wasn't living with me at the time he was gone, I didn't think it would get to this. You know, I figured he would, okay, eventually get over it or whatever and come home so we were looking through the papers and yeah they were divorce papers he uh my pastor and i we we prayed and didn't accept this and i remember before the service started my pastor came up to us and was talking to us and he randomly got up and went outside and i guess aaron was outside one of his buddies watching the guy serve me and pastor saw that he was in a car and went up to aaron and started giving it to him pretty much. So the pastor in Oceanside is former army. So like, I feel like with military guys, there's a certain way they can talk to each other that maybe no one else could. Yes. Right. Yes. And so they're probably like, man, we love this girl. We're praying for her husband every day. And then at church, 
you decide to serve her and then watch. Yes. He probably was like, nah, yes. marched out there. Okay, so what happened? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah, so he, Pastor went up to him, saw Aaron in the car with one of his probably military buddies and pretty much gave it to him. He's said everything. What are you, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? This is insane. And talked to him and Aaron couldn't care less. He didn't care. You know, he was respectful to pastor. He didn't talk back to pastor. He didn't uh, disrespected him. He just said, okay, whatever, you know, pastor, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and left. I didn't see Aaron for a couple months after that. I continued to still go to church, um, live for God. And then I didn't know if you don't file back or if you don't fight, I guess, for not getting divorced that Arizona here, the divorce just goes through. I didn't know that. Yes. So you were probably thinking if I don't sign it, it's not going through. Yes. I was just, I'm going to ignore it. I don't accept this. I don't want a divorce. I want to fight for my marriage. But it did. It ended up going through. So meanwhile, all this was happening. He ended up taking the car and I was, I wasn't allowed to live on base anymore. Since we were divorced completely, I wasn't allowed to live on base. I didn't have a car. I had no money. I had uh, no job. Pretty much homeless. And uh, one of the ladies from the church, she opened her house for me. She said, you can come live here. You don't have to pay rent. So I lived with her for a couple months. And another single girl from the church actually was living with her too. I got a job right away. I got a job as a, um, a beauty supply and since I didn't have a car, she would, uh, she was a barber, she's a barber. So she would drop me off at the beauty supply early in the morning. And then she would drive to her shop. And I would just wait maybe an hour before they op- the beauty supply opened because we were trying to time uh, her job and then my job. And after that, I would get off, I would work like an eight hour shift. And then I got a second job. So I would maybe like a mile away or so, there was a hair salon. So I would, right after I got off, I would run to the hair, because I didn't have a car, so I would run to the hair salon and then work from 5 to 10, 10.30 there. So, and then she would, whenever she was done, because she worked long hours too, uh, she would just pick me up. So I did that for a couple months. I ended up saving. I was able to pay a small amount for rent. And it's crazy because I... uh, believed in tithes, I started tithing a small amount. But you know, I remember pastor preaching about tithing and every paycheck I got, I would be like, okay, this is for God, because God's providing this, this and this food, this wonderful single girl that's taking me picking me up and this family that is helping me, you know, gave me a roof. Yeah, so it was crazy because every single paycheck after I paid a small amount of rent, I always had enough, I always had enough to buy a small bit of groceries or um, give a little small amount to gas for the lady that was helping me, um, giving me rides. So I did that for a little bit. And I remember everyone was telling me like, oh, you know, God loves you. God loves you. But I didn't feel like I didn't feel, I guess, his love in a way. I'm trying to word it like his love until like one night, like I remember saying like, oh, I have nothing. I lost literally everything. I was struggling. And um, I remember everyone saying God loves you and you know God loves God loves you and I for a moment I was like but does he like I didn't feel his love I wanted to feel like oh what I want to feel what everyone's saying and I was laying in bed and I was just crying 
And I said, God, I want to feel your love. I want to feel what everyone's telling me that you are, that you, that joy. And in that instant, I felt, I felt God's presence. I, I felt his love. And even though I got divorced, I, I lost my husband. I don't have a home. I barely have money. I, I knew it was going to be okay. God told me it was going to be okay. I felt joy and a weight lifted off me. God told me that it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew it because I, I felt it that night. So a couple months after that, my friend and I were at the beach. We were just hanging out, um, grabbing some lunch. We were laying in the sand, <laughs> tanning. Uh, I got a phone call from a random number. Didn't recognize the number. So I ended up ignoring it. And then I think a minute later or something, the same number calls me back. So I ended up answering and it's Aaron. He's sitting in jail. He calls me and he's like, can you come pick me up? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pick you up. You can sit in jail. And he's like, no, please, Tanya, please. You need to come pick me up. You know, I need to ride. Um, uh, I need to ride back to base. And I told him, fine, I'll go pick you up. If only you come to church. And he's like, fine (laughs) so I ended up picking him up very awkward ride because I haven't talked to Aaron for a while you know it's been a couple months we're uh, fully divorced so I go pick him up I drop him off and then I told him I'll see you on Sunday then Sunday morning and you know he did he did come to church next Sunday morning um he started coming to church and um he ended up getting safe fully saved yeah, he came to church that Sunday morning when they uh, asked who wants to get their heart right and who wants to repent of their sins and make things right with God. Aaron uh, raised his hand and he went down at the altar and um, prayed the sinner's prayer. And uh, he spoke to Pastor. Uh, he apologized to Pastor, um, wow. to Pastor's wife. You know, pretty much he was an idiot for what he did. He was... He wasn't thinking. He was influenced by the wrong guys. How was his relationship with you? Did he apologize to you? Yeah, so after that, I noticed our relationship changed completely. Um, He did uh, apologize. He broke down, you know, and told me that he wasn't thinking, that he feels awful, that he regrets every decision he made, that he shouldn't have divorced me, um... Did you forgive him right away? Like, did you accept him back? I did. I I forgave him. We didn't get back together. I still, you know, I still loved him. I wanted to be with him. I believed some way that God was going to restore our marriage, even though we were uh, divorced. We had to wait six months. Pastor told us to, you know, wait six months, have Aaron be fully um, committed to make sure he was fully committed. Um, I still lived uh, with the two girls from church um, I still live with them and then he just ended up coming back to church going on outreach um, doing everything possible you know surrendering to God yeah and I did I did see it was completely different looking at Aaron you know talking to him um, he was a different man it wasn't like the first time I can just see a difference in him and the way he talked to me the way he carried himself the way you know as he was just so different he was loving he was patient because he was not patient at all you know he was he was a very angry man you know when you mix alcohol and that it was just 
a mess. You know, he had no patience at all. Um, so it, it was a big difference. He he was just very loving. He completely stopped uh, drinking, smoking, cussing, hanging out with his Marine friends. He completely cut them off. He started uh, hanging out with the church guys. If the church was open, you know, if outreach was going on, he was there. He wanted to be as close as possible because he was still in the Marine Corps. So he knew he was still around the guys that he was hanging out with. And he knew I have to be, you know, with godly men that influence me good or godly men that speak life, speak good things about their wives. And yeah, almost so, like strengthened himself. Yes. So that when he did go back to training or whatever he can take a stand. Yes. Okay. So fast forward six months later. We uh, ended up getting married again. We stayed there for a couple years after that, um, going to the Oceanside Church and um, doing everything possible we could to live for God. And Was it awesome? Was it amazing? At that point, you probably had almost been divorced a year with the six months. Yes. And the couple months, it's almost like, Man, uh, you were in Oceanside a total of eight years. Yes. Right? And so most of that, you're struggling with your marriage. Yeah. So then you're finally like, this is the real deal. Very grateful with God, you know, that he did answer my prayers, you know, that he did come through. And um, I believe, you know, being me being faithful and sticking to going to church and living for God, I believe in a way, that's the reason why we did get back. Because oh, if, sure. you know, if I backslid and did the things he was doing, you know, just drinking, partying, we wouldn't be married again. Mm-hmm. Or we, w- I wouldn't have the life I have now. Was that a temptation for you at some point where you're like, I'm going to just do what he's doing? Uh, no, not really. Because I never liked to drink. I never was like a partier. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew too, since I lost everything, I knew the only thing I had left was God that can fulfill that, that can, that wouldn't fail me. I didn't want to lose the only good thing I had left. What brought you back to Prescott? Family. Yeah, our, both of our families were here. Um, so now your marriage is awesome. Your husband's in his right mind. You guys are loving life and you decide, you know what? It's probably about time that we start our family. Was that always a desire for you guys to start a family and stuff like that? Yes. So we wanted, yeah, we wanted a babies uh early on when we first got married um we did try when everything was going on you know Mm -hmm. when we were having issues and our problems we did try but we were never able to thank god because i can't imagine having a a baby in that environment it would have not been good so we tried for a couple years and then um when we moved back to prescott we um continued to try and Every chance I we would get, you know, when there was an evangelist or a healing crusade, um, anything in that area, um, I would go up and get prayed for. Every single time I would, I would any opportunity I got, I would. Yeah, it was definitely a mind battle, you know, um, especially you know the the church with all the women, you know, having lots of babies and new babies all over the place. It was hard. It was. I would question God, you know, why, why not me? You know, am I just not meant to be a mom? You know, it was hard. I did at a point, I did get angry, did get bitter towards God. I I remember Aaron and I, one, I think it was like a Sunday, Sunday night, we went up to talk to Pastor Greg and we just, cause I was getting very discouraged. We went up to him and 
we were asking him, well, why, you know, why can't I? We pray, you know, we fast, we do all these things and it's just like, it's just not happening. And pretty much pastor just said, it's, the question is, are you going to still serve God if the answer is no? I did. I made up my mind that I was going to, that no matter what, like if I was, wasn't able to have a, my own child, that I was still going to serve God. A little after that, it was summer conference and I remember we were doing a three-day fast Mm -hmm. and Aaron was going to go down to Phoenix for training for three days and it was at the time where I was struggling mentally you know with it and he's like you know what I'm gonna fast for three days straight I think actually I think he just fasted for four days I think the day before too and I'm gonna fast for four days straight and this is it, you know, God's going to move and, you know, this is our time. So I remember he fasted for four days straight and he came back home. I was on, I was taking medication for it a couple months. And I believe that was the last month I was able to take uh, the medication I was on. And he came home and that's when I got pregnant. Type of medication you were on, it was interesting. Like you only had, was three months or four months? I was uh, five months. Oh, five months. Yeah. Okay. So Tell us about that. So you, you go to the doctor and what was like, what, what was this going to look like? Like when you go to the doctor, you say, I've been trying for seven years. What's happening? He did, you know, exams and he put me on a medication, medication to ovulate. Uh-huh. And um, the first, yeah, he said for five months. And if you don't get pregnant after the fifth month, you're going to have to wait another year because the medication's pretty strong. Um so I did first four months and they were all negatives and didn't work. And then the last month, uh, he upped the dosage and, um, mm-hmm. that's when I, uh, got pregnant. When you're on like two or three months mm-hmm. and you're like, pray, pray, pray. Cause I only have this amount yes. left and then it's going to get even more stuff that we have to get involved and expensive and whatever. Yeah. And then I actually had a dream you were pregnant. Remember? <laughs> you did. <laughs> Except for it was a girl, so I was obviously <laughs> wrong. I'm not a prophetess. Yes. I didn't know that about him, though, praying and fasting. He did. He was. He made up his mind. He's like, you know what, God, this is it. You have to move for us because he just saw, you know, how how hard I was taking it. You know, it was it was affecting me. Um, you know, on my walk with God, and I was getting very discouraged to the point where I didn't even want to go to church. I didn't want to continue to go to church because I just didn't understand. Maybe I'm not meant to be a mom because I've always wanted to be a mom, you know. And Aaron saw that. He was hurting too, you know. Mm-hmm. So he did. He he fasted and he's like, we're believing and this is it. You're going to get pregnant. And I think I took the test like four weeks later and it was positive. <laughs> so it was like that yeah. exact time. Oh, yes. Amazing. And it is God's perfect timing because I can't imagine if I did get pregnant in Oceanside, it bringing a baby into that is just, just can't imagine. And now the time that we are recording this, Noah is going, so they, they did have a baby. His name is Noah and he was born almost exactly one year ago. Yes. His birthday is in March. So tell us a little bit, because every time we do one of these people always say, I wish I would have said. So one of the biggest things that I learn and encourage, you know, wives if your husband is not going to church, you know, or if it, if you're going to church alone to just continue to go to church and stay faithful, because if it wasn't for me going to church and staying faithful to God, Aaron probably would have never mm-hmm. ended up going back to church or 
getting saved. Um, so I remember, actually, I remember when we were going through all this in Oceanside, I remember one night I, to- I told God in my prayer, I was like, God, if you bring my husband back, you know, I will kind of sometimes hear, I will serve you no matter what, you know. But I, I did, I was like, if you restore my marriage, God, no matter what you have in store for us in the future, I will obey you. And I remember moving here one day, Aaron's like, you know what? I think I'm called to preach. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I can't see myself being a pastor's wife. And I was off about it. You know, I wasn't sure, but in a way I was now that I think back, I was kind of discouraging him to do it because I wanted to stay here because our family's here and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day we were praying and we went up to the altar and clearly God told me, you told me you that if I brought your husband back that you were going to obey me. And it was like a revelation that I was like, Oh my God, God, I told you that I would obey you no matter what, what God had in store for Aaron and I. And it was that, that I was, you know, that he said he wanted to be a pastor and I'm the one that's in a way stopping him with my words and like, Oh, maybe you're not. And I, I told God, I repented. I was like, you know what, God, I cried nights and nights for you to bring my husband back and you did and now I'm holding on to him yes and yeah now he says that he you know he wants to go out and preach and it's just crazy to see the difference you know the man he is now to when he was a couple years ago and we have Noah and God's will and God's timing is perfect always mm-hmm. yes. it's so cool and for the record, I want to go undocumented and say, I know that you're going to be a wonderful pastor's wife one day. And we'll remember today. And now it's documented. <laughs>